We all have a connection with the natural world. Some people, however, may have more of an open door or eye, as it were, to the aliveness of nature all around us and a magical connection. My guest, Suzanne Ross, is one such person. Intuitively gifted and open as a young child, Suzanne speaks openly about her early communication with nature, the elementals, fairies, minerals, plants, and birds. Lots of them. Birds in particular have been known to the world of ancient and modern mythology as message bearers, catalysts between this world and the next, some even considered to be godlike deities. In this episode, Suzanne and I took an unexpected turn in discussion, exploring the connection between these fine-feathered creatures and us. What can they teach us about the magic that's all around us? What can they tell us about what ascension is truly all about? Suzanne gave us, shall we say, a bird's eye view on these and other aspects of the magical dimension that exists right here on planet Earth. Well, Suzanne, I think it would be fair to say that most likely no one comes into this field, this area of interest, loosely referred to as the consciousness, movement, spirituality, metaphysics, and all of the permutations that these have without some personal experience or set of experiences. You know, our own journey is what brings this focus and this commitment to the work that we do. And I know that you are one such person. Now, the other day we were talking um, and you shared some of that personal journey with me having to do with a fascinating encounter or two in the forest, one of them, and I believe also at your front door, two separate encounters, one having to do with an owl and the other a vulture. I would love for you to share that with our audience because I thought it was fascinating. Tell us what happened. Thank you, Alexis. I am delighted to. One evening, I was getting ready to go to bed, and before I go to bed, I let my dogs out front for a minute, and I stepped out onto my front patio, and there was this magnificent owl in the tree, not 20 feet from me, and he said, whoo, whoo, so I looked right at him, and I said, and he responded, hoo, hoo. And we went on like that for like five minutes. And finally, I said, you know what? I've got to go back in and i got to go to bed. But thank you. I bowed to him. And as I came back in the door, I knew that I had just been blessed with a really special interaction with this magnificent owl. Mm. <laughs> Mm, amazing. I mean, well, I want to just say for, for the record, and those journeyers out there listening that uh, heard my last two shows, both of which having to do with owls, thanks to Mr. Mike Cleland, the owl man himself, we've had some fascinating people coming forward with their own owl stories. And synchronistically, when you and I spoke just a few days ago, you told me about your owl story. Life has a way of being so synchronistic, particularly for people like yourself who are so open to these things, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, because I recognized immediately the magic of this moment. When this owl specifically flew into my yard, I stepped out, it didn't fly away, and we had direct eye contact. I was fully aware that we were communicating. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I want to, I'm tempted to take this in another direction, but before I, if I do, before I do, 
tell us about the vulture experience and also the proximity of these two experiences in terms of time, the vulture experience. Yes, they were quite close together because the owl experience just happened a few weeks ago and the vulture experience was just about 10 days ago. And so I have a nature walk that I take and I created this stargate that's quite remote. Mm -hmm. And so it's at least two, two and a half miles out that I have to hike and then there comes a point where I have to veer off to the left and go down into a valley. Now, right at that point, I come to a fence. And so one day, I'm walking out and I get to that point and perched upon the fence is this incredible bird. It is this huge vulture. Hmm. And its feathers are black and it's got this red collar and it's head is naked, you know, just like a vulture <laughs> looks. Right. At first I was a little taken aback because Alexis, it was huge. And, you know, vultures have a connotation of, yes. of death <laughs> and you see them pecking the eyes out of, you know, beings in horror movies and it's like, whoa, whoa, what am I encountering here? Hmm. And then I said, I will not stand in fear. I will not allow fear to come into this magical moment. And so I started to project love and awe to this bird. I started to telepathically communicate with the bird. I love you. You are a magnificent being. Look at you. And then he started to like sort of ruffle his feathers, right? And he was getting bigger and he was facing away from me, but he could totally turn his head mm. and he turned and he looked right at me. And like, it was almost like he was proud, you know, as he ruffled his feathers and he just looked right at me and we held the gaze and I knew he was receiving my telepathic message that you know, I was in awe of him and I thought that he was beautiful and that I was sending him my love. <laughs> you know, just before we got uh, online, Suzanne, you, I put, I, I kind of connected, I think, a couple of dots that I think I, I want to just take this conversation for a bit in this direction. And that is your affinity, not just affinity to birds, but apparently a connection, a very visceral connection that you have with birds. You told me yet another story just a few moments ago about the egret that followed you down, I believe, down a stream as you were walking adjacent to the stream or parallel to it. Uh, rather than you tell the story, because I'm sure there are many Let's explore this for a little bit. Uh, you know, I always say, and I say to the audience, and I say to Source before I get on the air, let this conversation go where it needs to go. And I have a feeling people may get some some serious meaning out of this. Our connection with the natural world. You obviously have a proclivity to to nature. You have a you have a predisposition to the beauty of nature. You understand the power implicit in nature, but specifically in the animal kingdom, birds. Let's explore this. Let's just see where this goes. Two things. One thing I'm, I'm picking out immediately, and that is the gaze that you had with both the owl and the vulture. My mother used to say the eyes are the window to the soul. Maybe they're seeing into your soul. What do you think? I just got goosebumps all over when you said that. <laughs> I 
mean, and that they recognize something happens. in you. They recognize something in you, I think. Ah, yes. What comes to mind, Alexis, immediately is Thoth in Egypt, the ancient scribe Thoth in Egypt as really a wisdom keeper and a spiritual guide who was such a very important part of ancient Egypt and also known as the scribe, the teacher. And another would be then Horus in ancient Egypt, the eye of Horus. And as you were saying, like the eye is the window to the soul. I thought of the eye of Horus and of course him and Thoth were both depicted as bird beings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you identified with that in the past? Have you explored perhaps your connection to that that era? Oh, yes. And I actually have this beautiful statue of Thoth. And I really honor Thoth. And I feel he has been an important teacher for me on my path. And tuning into the consciousness of Thoth, I have been able to view my past lives in Egypt. I feel very connected to the time of Akhenaten Hmm. and Nefertiti in their kingdom. And so I do believe that I had a few incarnations during that time of ancient Egypt and that I can bring that enlightened golden age into the here and now where a new crystal age of ascension is unfolding. Mm-hmm. Elaborate on that. We, there, there's so many entry points to this idea of ascension and uh, and I, I think they all have some validity to them. But t- talk a little bit about that, that crystal aspect of ascension. What do you mean? So as I was exploring what age we are now moving into, it didn't feel right to call it the golden age of enlightenment, even though we are coming into another enlightened age where we have advanced skills and abilities and spiritual gifts It just didn't feel right. I said, that was then. That was during the time of Egypt. We are a different species. We express ourselves differently through our evolutionary development. And this is a different time and space. And so as I explored, well, then what is this age? It suddenly occurred to me, this is the crystal age of ascension where we have the opportunity to transform our bodies into crystalline light beings. And so for many of us on the spiritual journey, crystals are so important to us. Absolutely. We understand that they hold consciousness. We talked about this idea of panpsychism, I think, in our last chat, where I uh, had the pleasure of being on your show, this idea that some aspect of individuated consciousness exists in all things. Now, crystals, I, I know uh, particularly in the quote new age community, that's not a foreign concept to us. That 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 these are organic and alive uh, beings. Uh, but even things such as a, a tin can, for goodness sakes, can have its own measure of consciousness. But getting back to the crystal and consciousness, I'm, I'm I want to play with this and see how we can tie all of these themes together. Birds, the animal kingdom, uh, obviously having their own set of consciousness and crystals. Um, I don't know. We're, let's play with it. Where can we where, <laughs> where can we take this? Well, let me ask you this. I'm just going to go with kind of just go with the flow here. When you go on your nature walks, do you take crystals with you? 
Oh, yes, yes. And the Stargate that I built here, I have crystals all around it. There are eight rays, and each of them are defined by a different crystal. And then I have a powerful crystal right in the center. And so, yes, I bring the crystals out into nature, although I have to say that I live here in Sedona, the crystal city of light, sure. and the crystals are, ga- are just scattered on the ground. Are honestly. they really? They are. You can find rose quartz crystals, really? many really bright white rocks that are shimmering with crystals. When you sit on the red rocks, quartz crystal just protrudes right through the red rock iron ore. Oh, boy, I can't. Well, for those that don't know, I am, I've been a mineral collector, crystal and mineral collector forever. So I'm really excited to be able to come and experience that for sure. Well, you've got these crystals in your presence. And obviously, this is part of terra firma where you are. And then this, I'm going to bring back the birds, the birds. Where do we think the connection may lie? You know, I'm thinking... Here's something that I'm going to just go with here. Are you familiar with magnetite crystals? No, I'm not. I wasn't that familiar with them. I obviously had heard of them, um, but hadn't been that familiar with their features until recently when I had, interestingly, Billy Carson on the show. I think you had been researching. You, you've had Billy, I, I believe, on the show, right? Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> Billy and I have been friends for some time, and we've gotten to know each other quite well. And he's so deep in so many aspects of this, but not the least of which is, understanding how crystalline structures within our body work. And we had a show where we talked about magnetite, which are these little, I don't know if they'd be considered uh, crystals as much as minerals, because not all minerals are crystals, but all crystals are minerals. It's a little sort of black, uh, I believe it's an octagonal shape crystal or mineral, let's just say, of which he says, and it is said that we all have magnetite crystals in our brain. Now, magnetite crystals are also the crystals that many birds use to navigate. You think of homing pigeons as an example. How, how do they know when in birds that go south for the winter, how do they know? Well, allegedly, it is the magnetite cr- uh, structures in their own uh, cellular system that allows them to navigate. And I'm just trying to pull some themes together here. Crystals, birds, you, <laughs> nature, There's nothing that's separate here, uh, I don't think. There's some kind of connection. Might you be drawing in the energy of these birds through not only your uh, having crystals with you, but your love and understanding of them? Yes, it's so interesting. Before you even brought up the magnetite crystal, I was already thinking that these birds have that crystal inside of their brain that we know allows them to navigate and it's so interesting because you were talking about crystals i was already thinking about that and of course we have so much crystal in our own being our skins are covered with silica absolutely we already have that crystal so just as a crystal being communicating with this other crystallized form of consciousness 
and that crystal within their brain. Maybe we have a crystal in our brain too. And so yeah. certainly crystal to crystal, crystallized form to crystallized form, we can easily communicate with one another. And when I started to go on my nature walks, Alexis, and we're now we're going back 2010, mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I was taking these walks, I was making an effort. I was determined to develop my psychic awareness, my abilities to do automatic writing, channeling and telepathic communication. So when I would go on these walks and I would encounter these large egrets, they were white, they were blue, they were gray, they were magnificent. And so I would see them standing alongside the stream and I wanted to communicate with them because I think it's actually easier to telepathically communicate with animals than it is with humans because mm. there's no existence. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and so I practiced on the t I practiced on the egrets, and so I would project my love and light into them first to develop trust, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they would respond because they would turn their head and look directly into my eyes, and so we would be gazing into each other's eyes. Here we go and again with that. Here we go again with the gazing in the eyes. I'm telling. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that seems to be a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You gaze into their eyes and you are locked. Your gaze is locked. And then they would allow me to get closer and closer and closer. And of course, the whole time, you are just emanating your love for this creature, your awe of this creature. You are beautiful. I love you. I am in awe of you. And so you develop that, that soul connection. Mm -hmm. And then I can get closer and closer. And just have this telepathic communication. And so what that led to is when I would go on my walks then, they would appear. And, you know, I would walk a little further and there they are. They're, they're, uh, they're landing again. And or I would on these walks also take off in a little light jog. And as I would, they would take flight and stay just above the stream that ran parallel to my path. And I would weep because it was like we were perfectly synchronized. Absolutely. It's a beautiful moment. And I wanted to embrace it for all the magic that it was. <laughs> this is magic. This is true. Well, I, I, I think that magic is uh, all around us all the time for the eyes that can see that it can never not exist. And you are certainly one. I, I really admire, Suzanne, your not just this is more than curiosity this is you're determined to be here on this planet to understand where the, how the magic lives on terra firma and you found it and i think that's amazing and i think that our audience can learn so much from that have you dreamt of birds i'm gonna stay on the bird theme I think this is gonna be the this is for the birds man this episode is for the birds <laughs> and for I love us it. <laughs> I truly love it, and it's so interesting, Alexis, because it's actually been a top of conversation for the last few days between me and my beautiful sister, hmm. who's visiting from San Diego, who has been having these visions, and she's even um, had her spiritual guide and a psychic that she went to visit give her this vision that she is the caterpillar in the chrysalis just emerging as a butterfly. So, you know, 
let's imagine that the butterfly is actually part of the bird kingdom as it takes flight with its wings. And so butterflies, birds. Oh, and here's another story. Mm, tell me <laughs> so more. Yes. I just had this um, friend, this 27-year-old son of one of my friends visiting and doing some landscaping for us. So he's soulful. He's very spiritual, deeply philosophical. He's out in the yard doing this landscaping and he's singing. It's so cute because he's like 27 years old and he's singing opera, which was unexpected. And so he's singing out in the yard and suddenly this red robin lands in a branch right next to his head. As he's and he's like, oh my goodness. And he comes in the house and he's lit up like no tomorrow. Suzanne, Suzanne, I was singing in this red robin land and it was warbling as I was singing. And he just is so excited. And it just filled my heart with so much joy. And I was so happy that he experienced this magical connection with this bird. You know, there's something about, we can't say it enough, and I know it sounds cliche, the simple pleasures of which I relish in. I'm a gardener, and I love nature as well, and I'm, I'm a bird watcher as well. And, and yet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind myself or remind the audience of something that someone that you know quite well, Sonia Grace, our mutual friend and colleague who I'll be with, with you in Sedona, and I had her on the show recently, Suzanne, where she discussed... Um, an experience in which, I mean, we're talking about Mother Nature, we're talking about the goddess, what she refers to and others as the goddess, of which we are a part, the animal kingdom is a part, obviously the mineral kingdom. And she said something to me that has struck me ever since she said it. She says, about 20 years ago, she remembers having a vision, not not a vision, uh, well, I suppose it was a vision, but more than that, of the planet. And of the planet, out of it emerged this being Let's call her the goddess. And the being said to her, you know, I'm so sad. People used to bring me their problems and they don't anymore. Sonia, if you're listening, remember when you told me that? That has struck me so much. Basically saying there used to be more of a communion between us as homo sapiens sapiens and, and the earth of which we are inextricably linked. When I hear stories like yours... And the the young man who was uh, landscaping and all of these really sacred experiences. This is what the goddess, I'm sure, smiles at. And so many more people need, whether it's about bringing her your problems or just acknowledging the beauty implicit within her through these these beautiful creatures. You're doing that. And I want to remind everyone out there, I think we need to do more of that as we're so immersed in trauma, it seems, these days. So you've got a, a strong lesson to to teach my dear Suzanne the beauty of nature the beauty of nature do you do grounding well when I go out in nature one of the first practices I do is that I send a spiraling cord from my root chakra through the dirt beneath my feet and into the crystalline matrix of the inner earth. And then I plug directly into the iron hot crystal core, which is the heart of mother earth. So that's my practice of grounding into the heart of mother earth. And how does it make you feel? Do you get it? Do you get a, 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 an effect immediately? Is it subtle? How does that work for you? Oh yes, because the heart of mother earth, 
is full of so much nurturing love and kindness, so much compassion. She has pure, unconditional love for all of her children that live on her foundation. And with unconditional love, she continually nurtures us and sustains us. So when you spiral your energetic cord and plug it into the heart of Mother Earth, you can bring that nurturing love of the mother back up that spiraling cord and plug it into your root and ignite your kundalini energy and that fiery heart-centered passion then can flow up your spine and so i really feel the love of the mother when i plug into the heart of mother earth that's great have you been like this all of your life you know what when i was born my parents immediately called me Susie Sunshine because as soon as I could crawl, all I wanted to do was crawl out that front door and go be on the grass in the direct line of the sun. And I would lay there as like a baby, as a little kid. I would just lay in the rays of the sun and I felt so connected to it. And of course, as a toddler, I was really connected into the fairies and the elementals and I could see beyond the veil and many of my friends were invisible children who I imagine were passed on but hmm. I could see them clearly and I could play with them and so um yes and I grew up in in Mount I was born in Mount Shasta and I grew were up, you I was yes I was born in Shasta County at, uh, Shasta Hospital and so I had the opportunity to play in the woods around Mount Shasta and really I mean I played with fairies and trolls and we'll talk yeah. about that talk about okay let's let's switch gears a little bit this is definitely going in a, well it's going where it's supposed to go talk about that would you share some of those stories with us if you would my recollection of growing up in the area of Mount Shasta was that it was a fairy kingdom that the elemental realm was very much alive and well in these magical forests. And my family and I would get in the car on Sundays and we would actually go drive to the mountain. And I always felt like the mountain itself was actually a kingdom that you could enter and that there was actually a kingdom inside of the mountain itself and the mountain was alive and well and so when you're aware of the elementals as you play in the forest it comes alive with intelligence and I'm talking about the fairies and the trolls but I'm also talking about plants and yes. flowers yes as being intelligent beings, the trees, intelligent beings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No question about it. It's so synchronistic that you should bring this up in terms of, you know, again, this idea of consciousness being present to some extent in every living thing. And I'm reminded of the work of the late Cleve Baxter, who did the famous uh, plant plant experiments and, and was the inspiration mm -hmm. behind the movie, The Secret Life of Plants. So I would certainly agree. And yet it seems, Suzanne, that there are certain areas on this planet that seem to be more teeming with that magical quality within uh, the, the natural world. Yes? Is it ley lines? I mean, I know it's there's no simple explanation, but certainly there seem to be uh, uh, areas of our planet where there's more of an intersection of energy, where uh, it infuses these elements with more life. Wouldn't you agree? 
I would agree with that, Alexis. And how I view it is that there is this global grid and there are certain points on the grid where divine consciousness spirals into these points, creating a portal from source directly onto the earth plane and spiraling into the heart of Mother Earth. But I believe that there are actually 12 sacred sites on planet Earth with the 13th site being like a gateway. Mm. And so if we imagine these spiraling funnels that spiral into these 12 sacred sites on the planet, then those sites do become very sacred because they are portals. They are portals between the inner earth, the surface, and the cosmos. And so in these places, certainly their higher consciousness resonates in these vortex sites. J.J. Hurtok calls yes. them time warp areas. And he actually has an illustration of these 12 sacred sites. I have downloaded these 12 sacred sites also, Alexis, and each of them correlate with a constellation. Interesting that you should be intuitively called to keep the bird as a motif mm -hmm. throughout this mm -hmm. conversation because the constellation for, Cyg for Sedona is Cygnus. Cygnus is also known as the Celestial Swan. And my friend Andrew Collins, star of Ancient Aliens, yes. is very tuned into Cygnus. Cygnus Key and the Cygnus Mystery, his two books. I had the opportunity and the divine blessing to have Andrew Collins come here to Sedona during the Cosmic Awakening event. And I organized a special day, a day in Sedona with Andrew Collins, because both of us during conversations realized that Cygnus is aligned with Sedona. And furthermore, how he had imagined Cygnus, the three points, the heart of the celestial swan and the tips of its wings being aligned with the three pyramids at Giza. Mm -hmm. Now, my friend Gary David showed how the three Hopi mesas here just north of Sedona were also aligned with the three belt stars of Orion. That being the case, knowing that the three belt stars are also aligned with the three pyramids at Giza, that the three points of Cygnus, the heart and the tips of its wings, would be aligned with the three Hopi mesas. Are you following me? This is a lot of information, but I get the general idea. <laughs> so if both Cygnus and Orion are aligned with the three pyramids at Giza, and the three belt stars of Orion are aligned with the three Hopi mesas, then why not the three points of Cygnus aligned with the three Hopi mesas. Mm -hmm. So Brad Olson and I were up at the three Hopi mesas. We were near them. We were in Wupatki. And what we saw in the distance in Sedona was this pyramidal mound. We immediately knew that was significant. We came home and contacted an archaeo astronomer who said, oh yes, that pyramidal mound you are seeing from the Hopi mesas is actually the Cygnus constellation alignment with the head of the celestial swan mm -hmm. being the head of the what many believe is lizard rock here in Sedona, and the mound is known as Thunder Mountain. So at the base of Thunder Mountain, there is a head 
and many call it Lizard Rock, just for familiarity, which is at the base of Thunder Mountain, and the body of the serpent runs all along this pyramidal mound, which is Thunder Mountain. Now, when Andrew Collins and I started to explore the significance of this Cygnus alignment, we determined that the head of the celestial swan is actually that lizard rock, that head of the serpent. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, this part is interesting to me because I'm getting this image of the sort of, um, do I want to say intersection of the, of the reptilian or, or, um, reptilian species and bird species. I'm seeing a flying lizard, <laughs> actually. Well, the plumed serpent, right? The plumed mm -hmm. serpent that's so pervasive in mythology, the mythology of the Mayans, the mythology that's pervasive throughout Tiawanaku and Pumupunku, mm -hmm. right? That gate of the sun with the plumed serpent, so prevalent in ancient mythology. Sure, absolutely. Which would be the feathered serpent. The, fe the feathered serpent is really what I wanted to, what did I say, the, the, the flying lizard. <laughs> Same concept. I, I just had a visual in my mind that there's, you know, when, thank you for that. That was just a, a very, that was more than a primer, actually. And I'll have to go back and listen to this and see if I can take some copious notes based on it. But there is a connection. We're about connecting dots here. What does this all say? And how linked are we to this mythology. I'm going to come back to the birds and you, the birds being of one, um, I don't know, well, kingdom, you being from another, and yet there's a, there's an intersection point, a connection there. They're teachers, we know, but it seems that in this case, they recognize the wisdom within you and your ancient, um, connection. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. I'm not really, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to see if there's a synthesis between all of these things. And I think that there is certainly the birds. What's coming up for me, Alexis? And thank you so much for engaging in this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> uh, because it's bringing so much up for me. And as you talk about the soul connection, I'm recalling how the Holy Spirit is depicted as a white dove. Mm -hmm. And the white dove also connected into the divine feminine. And so if we imagine the Holy Spirit as the white dove taking flight, our souls taking flight at this time of the ascension. Mm -hmm. Absolutely taking flight at this time of the ascension. You know, it's interesting, this this term ascension, I brought this up before, uh, uh, have talked about this before in terms of labels and what we build into certain labels. When I think of ascension, I think hierarchy. And I tend to not follow a model of hierarchy because it's more linear. However, when we think of ascension, I like to use the term evolution because it's an expansion rather than going upward as we think of ascension. But nonetheless, right. this 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 point of evolution, uh, let's use the term ascension for the for the time being. And again, coming back to the birds and the wings and what do we see them doing? Ascending so gracefully, effortlessly, 
reminded of, we've had a lot of hawks around here lately, and I find them just absolutely intriguing. In fact, I, I saw one just the other day who unfortunately uh, identified a, a, a small dead bird and uh, swooped down to have it for lunch, I believe. And it was not, <laughs> that wasn't too great, but it gave us the advantage of having the bird come down to the street, this massive wingspan of this hawk. And then going up into the tree to, to do whatever he or she was going to do. But again, we see how birds ascend what? So effortlessly. They're not, you know, chug, chug, chugging along trying to gain altitude, right? This just kind of came to me. It's a graceful ascension. It's a natural evolution. And mm. the fact that you are connecting, not only are you connecting with these birds, these birds are connecting with you. They recognize you. They recognize perhaps the work that you're doing. We're going to, as we're winding now, we're going to get into the work that you're doing because you're doing such beautiful work in your in your professional uh, vocations. Um, but I think they recognize you, Suzanne. They recognize you. They're, they're familiar. You're familiar to them in this whole ascension process. What is the, I, I'm going to use this to segue. I want to talk about your nonprofit because I think you're doing such great stuff there. Uh, the awake, the awakening centers. What's the what's the tagline there? I don't, I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you're helping individuals find higher and more meaningful ways to live and be. I think that's kind of what it is. But this is the type of work that you're doing that perhaps this very intelligent species uh, recognizes in you. Tell us what you're doing there. And and I'm sure as you're doing the work at this uh, nonprofit organization, you're helping people to see life in the, the enriching ways in which you see it. Talk about the Awakening Centers. We're going to segue. Well, how brilliant that you spiraled into the revelation of birds being a symbol of ascension because I am in service to the awakening and ascension of humanity. And so that is a beautiful connection. Mm. And my nonprofit awakening is in support of the awakening and ascension of humanity. And so through the nonprofit, I am able to offer conscious media like my internet television network, SciSpy.tv. And I have to say that this new genre, SciSpy, merging science and spirituality, came to me in a trance meditation. <laughs> so I was seated in my shrine space and I saw written across the sky of my mind, Psy-Spy. And I immediately knew it was merging science and spirituality with this brand new genre. And so I went online and I saw if anybody else was using this Psy-Spy mm -hmm. and I couldn't find anyone who was. And so I knew it was a brand new genre. So I trademarked it. And so now it is a reg registered trademark. It is a brand new genre that merges science and spirituality to give us answers to the greatest mysteries of creation. And so then I asked Spirit, what am I to do with this brand new genre? And I immediately got the download that I was meant to create a brand new internet television network featuring all of my colleagues 
who are so inspired by the parallels between science and spirituality and the expansion of consciousness that it does include. So we have many shows that explore consciousness on many levels. Our show, Beyond the Matrix, The New Spirituality of Multidimensionality. Our show, Quantum Waves, The New Science of Quantum Consciousness. And it goes on. We have seven channels. That's One fantastic. is Angels, Aliens, and Masters, which is really fun. And another is Supernatural Adventures, which features Andrew Collins' show, Megalithic TV. And on that show, all of the footage is featured where he came out to Sedona and we hiked into this key portal site that was so magnificent. How exciting. Oh my gosh, that sounds so exciting, doing doing yes. that treasure hunting as well. That's yes. great. So Awakening supports um, the uh, SciSpy.tv network, so it's only $5.55 a month. People can just go to SCISPI.tv and donate 5 bucks a month and enjoy. You know, okay, we'll have a link. Are really fascinating. That's part of what Awakening does. And another thing that Awakening does is host events. Yes. And so we do have this event coming up. And if you would like to dive into that, I am so delighted that you will be a guest speaker yes. at our Transcendence event. I'm looking forward to it. And yes, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great thing. And something else I'm going to bring up as it comes to me, we'll talk about, we'll close out with a transcendence, transcending the matrix at the end of September is going to be great. Something else I just recognized with you, you have a fascination with triple numbers, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the magic is in the numbers, Alexis. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to do part two and talk about numbers. I've noticed the 555, 111222. I just noticed that. I just picked that up. So, <laughs> and that's that's no accident at all. Okay, just wanted to bring that up and, and uh, make a little notation there. Let's talk about Transcendence, Transcending the Matrix at the end of September, of which, yes, I am absolutely honored to to come and speak to your beautiful audience and get to sit amongst the Red Rocks. I know it's going to be great, but it, it's not going to be just me. We've got Sonia Grace that's coming and Laura uh, Eisenhower will be there. Tell us more about it. Give us, a, give us a thumbnail of what people can expect, and then we're going to have people go sign up before it's sold out. Oh, thank you, dear. Yes, I'm inspired to do an event during the spring and the fall equinox. So while this doesn't fall directly on the fall equinox of September 21st, we're still within that equinox window on the 28th and the 29th. And my spring events are beyond the matrix, and the fall equinox is transcending the matrix. And it's really all about transcending the matrix of separation and suffering and ascending into the matrix of unity and healing. And so we gather together experts in the fields of spirituality, awakening, consciousness, ascension, and offer not just presentations, but meditations mm -hmm. and activations and group sharing and sound frequencies for sound healing. So we offer a wide variety of very interactive activities and presentations. 
Beautiful. It is going to be a potpourri of activity. And it sounds very, uh, very interpersonal as well. It's about community. And I know that it's not what, what is the capacity for this particular event, Suzanne? The Creative Life Center seats mm-hmm. 200. Okay. All right. So we, we got to head on over there. I'm going to make sure we have a link in the description of this fantastic conversation so you can head on over. I know it's going to be great. I am so looking forward to coming to Sedona. I have heard so much about it. And as much as I travel, that's one place I have not been yet. So what? I was, wow. yeah, have not been to Ar- the, the state of Arizona. I've been flew, flew over it many times, but haven't been there. So I'm looking forward to that so much. This has been a true treat. I knew it would be good, but this is was an took an unexpected twist that I am loving, and I know that when I go to produce this show, I'm really going to just drink it in. So I want to thank you, Suzanne Ross, for all you're doing. I know you'll have more to share. As a matter of fact, don't hang up because I I have another question or two for you off the air. But uh, I want to formally thank you for joining Higher Journeys today. You are a gem and a crystal. You are a diamond. Thank you, my dear. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Alexis, and bless you for all that you are doing to offer so much inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment to humanity. Thank you for having me on your show, and thank you all for listening. I love you, and I bless you. Namaste.